Brought to you by Roadcaster Pro. Welcome to another edition of Mickey Rock Talk. My name is Shane A. Bassett, the movie analyst, your host today, because this is the discussion podcast about one of my all-time favourite actors, the career of Andre Rock Jr., or Sir Eddie Cook, or, as he is best known, Mr. Mickey Rock, the Oscar-nominated actor, boxer, and journeyman. So sit back and relax. Be prepared for absolutely anything on this episode. I will look over two very interesting and quite remarkable Mickey Rock movies that you may or may not know, but I do very well, actually. And I really look forward to unwrapping his performance, among other unique aspects of both films. First movie will be Point Blank from 1998, and then into one of my all-time favourites, Johnny Handsome, the 1989 classic. But let's start with Point Blank. From 1997, however, I do believe it was released in 1998 in most territories. Let's not get confused, though, because there are a, at least two other Point Blank movies. Now, you may or may not know that it is definitely one of my pet hates where movies take the name of other movies. Think of changing it up, please. Anyway, 2019, there was a Point Blank movie starring Frank Grillo and Anthony Mackie. Two really good actors. I've seen the movie. The movie's okay. Uh, it's a Netflix movie and, you know, it's just very, very Netflixy. Also... The original Point Blank, and the one that is going to be referred to mostly is the 1967 Lee Marvin classic British crime drama that uh, people love. Flop on release, but uh, has since become a cult movie, like many movies are. However, we're here to talk about Point Blank. Let's say it's from 1998. That's when I would have seen it on VHS because it was a direct to VHS in Australia. Now, a lot of people may not know this, but Mickey Rourke starred in his own version of Die Hard uh, with a bit of Home Alone thrown in. Now, by no means is Point Blank 1998 close to the almost flawless Die Hard or Home Alone. However, this is one of those direct-to-VHS action fillers with a basic premise that goes all over the place with violence and profanity, mostly when you least expect it. It just comes out of the blue, even though you are expecting people to die and get hurt by these criminals. There's some kills in this that are quite unexpected. Now, I'd say it's a die-hard template by the director and the writers, Uh yeah, in its own way. And it's set around a shopping mall. The most dangerous criminals in Texas have just been set loose. They're heavily armed. Totally surrounded. Get us out of here. Trust me. Feds show up. Negotiations stop. And seriously out of control. Now if you don't get your man out of here! That's gonna become a habit! 
Now, one renegade cop. I suppose you know how to handle this. How much time can you give me? Is going in to try and get one man out. Now we understand you let a heavily armed mercenary walk right in there. One of mine. Former Marine, service in Far East. Contract civilian mercenary in Afghanistan. We got a problem. I need you out of here, bro. I ain't gonna let nobody kill you. My brother Joe. Go home, Rudy. Brother against brother. On opposite sides of the law. On opposite sides of a gun. Danny Trejo and Frederick Forrest. Point blank, these brothers play for keeps. Ah, uh, yes, they do. Those brothers certainly play for keeps, and we'll get into that. Uh, Mickey Rourke is an ex-Texas Ranger, a military renegade called Rudy Ray. Now he works on the land with his dad, James Gammon. He's the actor who plays his dad. But Brother Joe has escaped from prison. Uh, a bus was pre-organised to be sprung and exploded so the criminals inside could get out. Uh, and they all storm a shopping centre for some kind of money scam throughout. Uh, I don't really understand fully. It's organised by centre management, a dim, flamboyant Howard, played by Paul Ben Victor. So Rudy decides to help out his old mate and former partner Mac, Frederick Forrest, by creeping around the mall and rounding up the criminals one by one, including his brother, whom he gives a break to. Uh, it's not a bad movie, really, when you think about it. Mickey Rourke has lead billing in this. Uh, he's at the top of the credits. He appears... At the 4 minute 50 second point, has a smoke in his mouth by 5 minute 5 seconds later. Well, it's actually at the 5 minute 5 second mark, not 5 minutes 5 seconds later. He looks pretty fit. Uh, he's healthy in this movie. You can tell uh, he's digging a hole on the farm. Uh, there's this big property out in Texas. He's got this short hair. He's wearing jeans and a singlet. Looking pretty good. Um, some of the other clothes that he wears in this film are a Sierra Leone cap, a black vest, a flak jacket style vest, I guess you could call it, as he sneaks around the mall. These big boots. They're very well worn. Um, they're dark also. Uh, he puts on some cat's eye type sunnies at the end. Uh, potentially they're a pair of Bolle because I see that Bolle were one of the sponsors of the movie in the end credits. Yeah, uh, his, his gear in this movie definitely suit him, uh, but it's you know not much different to a lot of other movies that he's been in and the outfits that he wears. Now, I did not see this one immediately. Uh, I saw it whenever it was released on VHS in Australia, which would have been in 98 for sure. I own a dealer copy preview of it, actually, uh, complete with a TCR. That's a time code recorder counter on it. So you used to play the tape and there'd be little numbers in the corner of the screen counting down, usually in the corner of the screen or right in the middle at the bottom. They were often too. Uh, yeah, they were what were given to video shops like preview tapes or screeners as they are known today. I own a real VHS copy of Point Blank. 
but not a DVD copy at this stage. I've been looking for one and it's not released on Blu-ray, unfortunately. Ah, yes, that is the opening vibes of Permanent Friend by a band called Girl Overboard. And Permanent Friends is what Mickey has in this movie, in the film and behind the scenes. Let's talk about some of the co-stars of Mickey in this movie, point blank. I'll begin with Danny Trejo as Wallace. He's a maniac in this. He's also shaven, he's younger Uh, But it's the first time that Danny and Mickey work together. They also appeared in Animal Factory and Once Upon a Time in Mexico together. Two pretty good movies, actually. Yeah, Danny Trejo is a legend and very good in this uh, evil and very coked up at times, too. He's out of control. James Gammon, I mentioned him earlier, playing Mickey Rock's father, He only has a couple of scenes, uh, but they could easily be father and son. Uh, They are very, very good together and share some nice moments. James Gammon, if you ever mention his name, I'm immediately thinking of Major League. Oh yeah, he's the coach. Frederick Forrest, the great Frederick Forrest. Apocalypse Now, Valley Girl, Falling Down. That's just three really good movies that Frederick Forrest has been in. Uh, He's Mac in this, the mate and ex-partner of Rudy. So he and Mickey, Frederick and Mickey, have some pretty good scenes together too. Uh, I like like them when they're together. And I'd love to see a spin-off with those two working together. Maybe a uh, prequel would have been good, I think. Um, They would have been fun to watch as Texas Rangers. I want to also mention a couple of other people in this film, in particular Nina Savell. Don't know who she is. She's really good, but I've not seen her in anything else that I'm aware of. She plays Tracy. Has a little moment with Mickey right at the end. Michael Wright plays Sonny. He was in V, the television series. Uh, He was in a Miami Vice episode, like a lot of people are. And... Michael Wright was, I think he was the real bad student in The Principal. Great movie that had Jim Belushi in it. Yeah, Michael Wright as Sonny in this. Paul Ben Victor. Three names. Paul Ben Victor. He played Howard in Point Blank. I remember him from John from Cincinnati. It's a HBO series that I always like to mention to people if they have not heard of it or seen it. Uh, It was a one-season wonder and... I think the last episode was terrible, but everything leading up to that was great. And if you haven't heard of or know John from Cincinnati, Paul Ben Victor was in it. He was also in Wired, a 1989 movie about John Belushi. There you go. We just mentioned Jim in The Principal. 
John Belushi, uh, kind of a life story based on a book called Wired from 1989. Behal, Ben Victor was also in The Rookie, a movie I like a lot, actually, even though it was a flop, considering Clint Eastwood, Charlie Sheen, Raul Julia was in it. But uh, of note, Paul Ben Victor was also in The Last Outlaw, a Mickey Rock film from 1993. Kevin Gage played Joe in this Mickey Rourke's real brother, his late brother, was also named Joe or Joey. Kevin Gage, uh, you could remember him as Wayne Grow in Heat. He was in one episode of VIP alongside Pamela Anderson. And uh, he is incredible in this actually and uh, quite good as a... Villain slash good guy slash brother of the hero. Let me just say while I am at this point though, I reckon there's real tears in Mickey's eyes during a climactic scene where he's holding Kevin Gage as Joe, dying in his arms, basically saying, I love you, Joe, as he slowly fades away. Now, me knowing how close Mickey was to his late brother, Joey, how close they were, uh, maybe Mickey was thinking of Joey in that scene. It's remarkably emotional, uh, real or acting. It's very authentic and effective. Um, yeah, really incredible moment. You look closely at Mickey's tears in that, that part of the film. They look real to me. And as mentioned, he has some nice quiet moments uh, of true friendship qualities with Frederick Forrest as Mac. Really nice. Could Mickey have played any other role? Well, possibly the Frederick Forrest role. He could have played Mac, uh, except it was small, you know. They might have made it a bit bigger for him. He would have made a decent Howard, putting on the weird personality, scumbag schemer that Howard was. Uh, Mickey could do it easily. But Paul Ben Victor, he was quite good. Evil and stupid. The bottom line is Mickey is just great as Rudy. Um, yeah, he's really good in this. I think he is anyway. A lot has to got to do with him being an action, non-action star in this. He takes things into his own hands and I liked it. And it's a small budget, but they really make use of authentic locations as well. Things of note in this movie and worth mentioning. Uh, there's a couple of voiceovers that are supposed to be Mickey, but are not. It's ADR um, by another actor, definitely. Twice, maybe three times this happens. Uh, and one time, even when I was looking and I rewound it twice to double check here or triple check, Mickey's mouth is not moving and he's supposed to be talking. Uh, and it is someone else's voice when it's happening. It sounded very little like him. So that is a cross against this movie. Uh, it's filmed entirely in Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, like I said, authentic locations. And the uh, very nice Roadrunner car that Mickey drives near the start of the film and is driven again at the end of the film, has a number plate, FTW187. FTW187. Where does FTW, does that sound familiar to you? It's significant because FTW is the name of a 1994 movie starring Mickey Rourke, Pete Berg, Laurie Singer. Uh, it's also known as The Last Ride, and Mickey's character stands for FTW, Frank T. Wells. That's his name in the movie. Or you could also say that FTW means F 
the world. We will discuss FTW slash The Last Ride in an, uh, in an upcoming episode of Mickey Rourke Talk. It was just very cool to see it. It's like a little inside cameo of sorts. Really enjoyed seeing that. Okay, so a couple of other inventive things that are worth mentioning. By the way, that was the beginning of Pure Morning by Placebo, one of the greats out of the 90s. Bit like this movie, actually. Bit of the underrated greats out of the 90s. There's an inventive death scene by an incineration of flaming perfume. Rudy sneaks around a perfume counter. He tips a ton of the sweet-smelling liquid in a variety of directions on the floor, over counters. Uh, then when a couple of the outlaws are in range of the perfume display, Rudy sp- Bucks it up and burns one of them to a crisp. Hey, Ruby Sparks in the same sentence. That was a movie. Over the top, uh, but inventive, as I mentioned, I liked that moment quite considerably. Mickey is a tough individual, one tough bugger. Uh, he repairs his own wounds like Rambo did, of course, uh, and he cracks his neck towards the end when he's walking directly at Danny Trejo in this showdown. He means business, and you see the look in his eye cracking his neck. The final fight between the two old mates uh, who have worked together since, as I mentioned, uh, Trejo calls Mickey Bruce Lee as he backflips away. But that's definitely a Mickey Rourke body double. Uh, you should see it. They just uh, It's like... Um, the uh, the Olympics. He's just done about ten backflips in this uh, in this fight scene, which are definitely not Mickey Rourke. I'm saying he looks good and fit, but it wasn't him doing the backflips. No way. Uh, there's a multicolored coked up trio. Now he's multicolored because during this big final confrontation, uh, they end up in this paint shop with uh, tins exploding everywhere and flying around. So all these different colors of paint go all over. Danny Trejo's character and he's screaming and yelling uh, and Rudy ends up taking him out very slowly by stabbing him in the gut with a big twist, probably in the heart, because he just drops. Uh, Trejo is actually in one of the most outrageous and bizarre scenes of the film. Um, He gets a pole dance and... uh, in the middle of the movie, out of nowhere, he basically gets his pole dance and one of the hostages offers it to him for some cocaine. He has some cocaine at his disposal. Uh, it's almost funny, but it's also vicious because he ends up shooting the pole dancer innocently. She's just a hostage and, and point blank letting her fall to the ground, making a statement to the cops out front. Now, you've got to take note of this because it's another mistake. She had a tattoo on her breast. It was like a spider's web around the nipple. And you could see it quite, you know, plainly in the dance scenes. Then in the final shot of her on the ground, uh, the tat is gone. It's absolutely disappeared. Now, it has not wiped off. Uh, It just isn't on either the model or the actor who is on the ground dead, uh, acting dead. Um, They forgot to paint the tattoo back on. 
or it's another actor laying there. There's an awful generic score as well. Uh, I think it's deliberately has this Christmas song in it as well at one point to hail back to Die Hard. I'm not sure on that, but really the music makes absolutely no uh, point of excitement or enhances anything. So some soundtracks do, this one does not. It was No money was spent on the score of this film, that is for sure. Uh, and there's a lot of feathers and ticking flying around in one scene. They're in like a bed shop, I assume, and bullets go into some pillows and feathers go flying up in the air. Now, if you know Nine and a Half Weeks, the uh, Mickey Rourke, Kim Basinger cult classic, there is a mention of feathers and ticking in that movie in a bed shop. So I thought that was worth mentioning. Let's finish this off by... Making my decision, is it any good? Yes. Point blank, it's well worth watching. It's not a bad movie. It's B-grade action all the way. Uh, around this time in 1998, Mickey was making these movies uh, released, you know, usually without much fanfare, usually straight to VHS, as I said, um, DVD even at the time. wasn't as big as VHS. But this was the same year as Buffalo 66, a uh, small role for Mickey in that. Also, Thursday. Thursday is a top-notch film. Small role for Mickey. These are um, people giving Mickey a run in their movies to give him some work because he was really out of favour during this time in Hollywood, at least. Uh, Thicker Than Blood was another movie he made in this year of 1998. Uh, it was a TV movie that is actually really good, and I've only seen it once, maybe twice, many years ago. I'm uh, looking for a copy of it so we can do on Mickey Rourke Talk. Uh, got Dan Futterman in it, uh, and it's a made-for-TV film that I believe, from memory, Mickey plays a priest. Yeah, so that in itself is going to be interesting to rewatch. Uh, his career was not high profile. Um, the Oscar nomination was 10 years away before the, before the wrestler became so huge. So that is the rest. I was going to say that is the wrestler. That is point blank. Hope you enjoyed my bit of a rundown and uh, go check it out. Find it if you like your action movies 90s style without much uh, effects and without much logic in screenplay. It does not matter. you got good acting and uh, some pretty wild moments, that is for sure. But without much further ado, let's move on to one of my favourite Mickey Rock performances ever. The 1989 classic Johnny Handsome. He hid behind the mask of his own face. We're working with him? Walking in the shadows. Thanks to a genetic abnormality, it was born with physical defects that all humanity consider totally disgusting. On the edge of violence. Until one day his world was shattered. It was just like a big brother to you. You just tell me who they are and where I can find them. You are in the lockdown ward at St. Matthew's Charity. I run a program that deals with reconstructive surgery. How would you like a new face? I will give you a new name and a chance at a new life. I know who you are and I know what you are. You look like a great guy, at least I think so. I'm not so sure that I'm what you want. I know what I want. What's the matter? 
Afraid of being normal? But all he sees is the past. I saw them kill my best friend. Why don't you give me a little hint, baby? Help me remember who you are. It'll come to you. I won't take him out big when the time gets right. You really think you're gonna get even with me? You got a shot at a better life. You can't just throw that away. I don't think you know what you're missing. Sure I do. Johnny Handsome. Ah, yes. Now that is a good trailer. You only heard it. If you want to watch it, watch the trailer. It is giving away very little. There are some twists and turns in this you will not expect if you haven't seen it already. It's based on a novel, The Three Worlds of Johnny Handsome. Uh, The movie from 1989 reminded me of Dark Passage. Now, do you remember that? The Humphrey Bogart, Lauren Bacall, Agnes Moorhead thriller from 1947. Yeah, I think Johnny Handsome was derived out of Dark Passage. That's something I'm probably going to have to ask Walter Hill someday if I ever get a chance. Dark Passage would be uh, the predecessor in many ways to Johnny Handsome. And it's also got, but not quite... Uh, reminiscent to The Elephant Man, especially in the opening stanza. Uh, I understand maybe the makeup comparisons could be made uh, to the 1980 David Lynch movie, but um, other than that, the movie is very different. But uh, The Elephant Man makeup that Mickey kind of has on at the beginning of this film and uh, is definitely going to draw comparisons to The Elephant Man, the movie from 1980. Now, I've always liked this crime thriller. Uh, it's about an honest thief with uh, with loyalty. Uh, it's that shattered, basically, when his best friend and only friend is set up and killed on a job, on a heist. Uh, Mickey plays John, uh, who, when caught after this double cross, he's given an opportunity to change his face through reconstructive surgery and rehabilitation. Um, Then when given a chance at this new job uh, and parole opportunities, uh, he decides to take wicked revenge on the scumbags that believe that he's actually dead. Uh, With a new voice and a new look, he is absolutely unrecognisable to everybody at first. Uh, until a little bit later on in the movie, of course, things start to unravel. Uh, We see Mickey walking down a street with a cigarette immediately at the opening credits uh, as this slow score twanging away by Rai Kuda is playing. Now, I'm not a big Rai Kuda fan, but it kind of suits the movie. It just is a little bit uh, monotonous. This is a risky role. The character of John is one of Mickey's most diverse and controlled acting performances I've ever seen. And I've basically seen everything he's ever done. Uh, He's sentimental, he's full of rage, uh, he's a hard worker, as we see while he's working at the shipyard. Uh, I mean, this is a a chance at redemption for him, so he really does try hard. His hair is very scruffy in this. It's kind of semi-long, an average length. Uh, it's very oily and scraggy. Uh, eventually, he pulls it back with this little small ponytail. And uh, the clothes that he wears in this one include a leather jacket, um, some grubby shirts. Uh, the clothes are grubby in general, but I think that's just that's the movie itself. 
It has that um, dirty, grimy feel about it. He has a hard hat on and a, a bandana and work gear, like this protection gear and goggles as well. Um, very different. He's, he's using like uh, power tools at one point too, which I don't remember him in any other movie doing. He's got a brown dressing gown on in the hospital while he's in a wheelchair. Uh, he's got this woolly black jacket long sleeve thing on under a denim jacket at one point as well. Um, he also takes the denim jacket off and it looks like a, a thin black sweater. I'm not too sure. He's got ripped jeans and a T-shirt. You know, that's that's pretty standard and, you know, it looks pretty good. There's nothing he's wearing in this movie that um, is alarming. Put it that way. They all suit, suit his frame and suit his style. Now, in 1989, he had three movies released. Yeah. This one, and Francesco, which was about St. Francis of Assisi. Francesco also had Helena Bonham Carter in it. And this was the year of Wild Orchid. You can hear what I've had to say about Wild Orchid on another episode of Mickey Rock Talk. Well, that was the voice of Ellen Barkin as Sunny in this movie. Uh, won't say too much what's happening in that moment, but you could probably guess Sunny is a awful, awful character, but played to perfection by Ellen Barkin. Ellen Barkin, uh, the same year, was in Sea of Love with Al Pacino. She's also in The Big Easy. Now, that's significant, The Big Easy from 1986, because uh, that was filmed in New Orleans, and so was this movie. They were both set in New Orleans. Ellen Barkin was very good in Man Trouble, an underrated Jack Nicholson, Lauren Tom comedy, and Siesta. That was a all-star cast, very low-key low movie, that one, but uh, terrific. Ellen Barkin is one of the greats. Who else was in this movie? Some amazing co-stars alongside Mickey Rourke. Elizabeth McGovern, she played Donna. You might know her from Ragtime. That was James Cagney's last film. Uh, She's Having a Baby makes me cry every time she's having a baby. That was one of the John Hughes films that did not do that great, but in hindsight is very, very popular now. Uh, Elizabeth McGovern, she's still acting to this day. She's doing very well for herself. Uh, The Wife, that was a good movie that she was in with Glenn Close and Jonathan Price. Let's not forget The Bedroom Window with Steve Guttenberg. Uh, That was a terrific thriller as well and significant because Steve Guttenberg starred with Mickey Rourke in Diner. Who else is in this movie? Of course, Lance Henriksen. Oh, yeah. He plays Rafe. Uh, Lance Henriksen, where do I begin? So many movies. Stone Cold, The Terminator, Aliens, Scream 3. He was in The Colour of Night and Near Dark. Also at the end of Super Mario Brothers. Uh, The list goes on. I love Lance Henriksen and he's a terrific villain in this one. Forrest Whitaker, the great Forrest Whitaker. He plays Dr. Resha, the man who believes in Johnny Handsome. Good Morning Vietnam, Last King of Scotland, Rogue One, so many great movies, even Fast Times at Ridgemont High had Forrest Whitaker in them. And, of course, a couple more names that you're going to be very familiar with, I think. 
Morgan Freeman. Oh, yes. He plays drones, Lieutenant Drones in this very unfortunate name, but uh, small but effective. You know, he's the he's the cop that just wants to beat down Johnny Handsome because he knows what Johnny Handsome is like, whether he's changed his face or not. What he's like on the inside doesn't change. But, you know, who knows? Uh, things like redemption can happen. Speaking of redemption, Morgan Freeman, the Shawshank Redemption. Uh, Seven, the big bounce, street smart. Uh, He was in Driving Miss Daisy, one of my favourites as well, and Teachers, the 1984. Nick uh, Nick Nolte and Jo Beth Williams, of course. Of course, that movie was great. Ralph Macchio was in it too. The Karate Kid himself. And finally, worth noting is Scott Wilson, the late Scott Wilson. He plays Mikey. Scott Wilson uh, was Mikey, the best friend of Johnny Handsome in this, who got killed right at the start. And basically the reason why uh, Handsome gets on the revenge the revenge mode and take out Rafe and Sonny. Uh, Scott Wilson was in G.I. Jane, Pure Luck. Malone, which was a good Burt Reynolds movie. Uh, Dead Man Walking is another fine performance by Scott Wilson. All really good in this movie and I think the casting... The casting director should be proud because uh, whoever it was has put together quite a significant bunch of people. Could Mickey have played any other role? Well, yeah, I think so. There's a money laundering middleman role that he could have been okay at if uh, the part was bigger. Playing it a little bit slicker, maybe a little bit more um, evil harmony. In it, um, but it was only a small role, and I can't think of the actor's name who played the money laundering guy who ends up getting busted anyway by Morgan Freeman. And speaking of evil harmony, Lance Henriksen is brilliant. Now, don't get me wrong, uh, but Mickey would have been terrific as Rafe as well, I think. Uh, Playing it up as the villain, yeah, Mickey would have been terrific. Uh, I think, though, Lance really is the best in this. He probably is... Besides, I don't know, Alan Barkin and he really are up for the most overacting and important parts of the film. Uh, Maybe the Morgan Freeman role would have been great um, for Mickey Rourke to play. I'm not sure. Again, it would have needed more scenes, though, I think, if Mickey was to slip into those shoes. Morgan Freeman as Johnny Hanson. Now, that's something that could be interesting if that had happened Mm. Morgan Freeman because he was relatively an unknown actor at that time too yeah Uh, Mickey has really good chemistry with Elizabeth McGovern that's in my opinion Um, besides the the dodgy love scene uh, to more twangy Rai Kuda music I think they are really good together Um, they're talking and hanging out they're looking at each other across the room at one point you know when he's um putting in his pay or whatever he's doing, signing in, signing out for the day at the shipyard. It's it's quite sad in a scene with Elizabeth McGovern and Mickey Rourke when he's kicking her out of his apartment. And, you know, they've, they've developed this relationship and she's gone to visit him uh, after finding out the truth about his background. And you really do believe that John's adoration for Donna and his, you know, possible love for her, um, but he's letting her go so she can be safe. Uh, Elizabeth is beautiful. She has 
lovely big 80s hair uh, and this enormous irresistible smile. So yeah, impressive to say the least. I am biased because I do like Elizabeth McGovern and everything she's ever been in. Uh, Mickey and Ellen share some cool, sharp scenes together. As I say, Ellen Barkin is a nasty piece of work in this movie. Um, they have, they really should have probably worked together more, um, done some more movies together. Uh, they're electrifying top-notch actors in very rare form in this film. And uh, I, I, I don't know, like scene after scene... I really do think that Mickey swallows up every moment he's opposite these amazing stars, really. There's a scene where Ellen Barkin as Sonny and Johnny Hansen and Mickey Rourke sitting at this bar and uh, Sonny's shucking oysters, holding this extra long cigarette, you know, that something like uh, Audrey Hepburn would be smoking in Breakfast at Tiffany's. She's wearing this black leather latex-style dress Look, I'm not sure, but it is unbelievable. I'm not sure what's going on because I don't know if it's flirting. I don't know if it's um, seduction. I don't know if it's just two actors having a good time on set, but it is electrifying and lightning in a bottle. Three cheers again to the casting expert on this movie. And I bet without looking, it's probably Bonnie Timmerman. She is one of the best. Uh, That is the opening sounds of You Made Me the Thief of Your Heart by Sinead O'Connor. A really good song, actually, that appears in the movie... uh, in the name of the father, starring Daniel Day-Lewis. Imagine that. If Daniel Day-Lewis and Mickey Rourke started a movie together, how good would that have been? Still could happen. You never know. But to wrap things up, uh, some other things that are worth mentioning in Johnny Handsome. The, uh, well, actually, this is just about the poster. The original poster is a classic. It's noir-like. Uh, it's really dark, but it has Mickey's face in... Solid form, right in the middle. Other actors around him in smaller form. Loved it. Uh, The Blu-ray cover is a photoshopped pic of Mickey and Morgan. Look, it's fine, not great. It's not a bad Blu-ray as well. Come to think of it, some pretty cool extra features on it about the makeup, about the action scenes, um, just about the film in general. Uh, There's a solid knife-wielding scene as John is making a point to leave Sonny, um, I think Donna actually, not Sonny, yeah. There's a scene where they're at the shipyards and Johnny Hansen is got this guy in his sights, right? A guy he works with, a colleague, and he wants this guy to leave Donna alone because Donna works in the office at the shipyard uh, and it's cl- it's a classic Mickey moment how he gets, I have had Sonny on the mind before, it's actually Donna, Uh he has a knife to his throat, just warning him to stay away, okay? It's, it's just low-key, but really good. Um, you'll, you'll see what I mean when you watch it. It's near the start of the film. Oh, about 25 minutes into it. Uh, the latex and the foam makeup that uh, must have been really hard to act in. Uh, Mickey's great in it. He really does uh, go all out. He runs around uh, and gets stabbed. 
uh, in this scene, uh, in this cotton-picking field. There is a chain gang, uh, and it is running, and there's all these things happening, and it's sunny. It looked like it would be really hot, and Mickey has – this is before he gets his face worked on. Uh, he has this mask and latex on, and it must have been very awkward to, to be acting in that those conditions, but uh, it didn't affect the performance, that's for sure. Uh, there's some weird masks that are, uh, are worn in the robbery of the jewellery store at the start. I think masks in a robbery and a heist are always effective. These ones in particular were just odd and scary. Do I recommend the movie now? Well, hell yeah. Of course I do. Walter Hill directs this movie with poise and noir-like style. Um, it stands the test of time. I have a VHS copy of it. As I mentioned, I have a Blu-ray version, which is a Region 2. I actually have it on uh, Region 2 DVD as well, which has that original poster on the cover. Uh, And, yeah, it's just a good movie. I'm not sure if it's streaming in your part of the world. It's not streaming in Australia, but it is one of the great movies that I would definitely have in my top 10 films of Mickey Rourke. Yeah. So if you enjoyed my chat about those two movies, the... Um, tune into some more. There's there's other ones I've recorded on plenty of other Mickey Rock films and there'll be more to come. As I said, my name is Shane A. Bassett, the movie analyst. You can find me online at movie underscore analyst, mostly Twitter and Instagram. You can see my YouTube channel. It's a movie talk show entertainment style setup where I'm interviewing actors and directors and musicians and so forth. Uh, check that out. It's a movie analyst, Shane A. Bassett, on YouTube. Uh, you can hear me on radio around Australia on the Triple M Network or the Nine Radio Network. Uh, what else? Uh, you can just Google me. But uh, I also have this other podcast called Cine Critique, which is a little bit more mainstream, but it also concerns uh, interviews and reviews and whatever else I feel like. But Mickey Rourke Talk is close to my heart. So thank you very much for tuning in and uh, long live Mickey Rourke. Nate and Mickey, they'd make a good duo.